welcome back to Acting Out. I am your host, Ryan McQuaid, and joining me is my co-host, Mitchell Beaupre. Mitchell, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Time of recording this, uh, you will think that we have done this back-to-back weeks. It's actually been almost like a month in between episodes, so just uh, like to uh, give a little bit of the listeners behind the scenes. And um, Mitchell and I are still uh, busy and tired and... um, what are some other things we are, Mitchell? Acting out. Yes, that that is the name of the show. We're acting uh, out. Uh, a little, a little frustrated. A little frustrated, having some tricky internet issues that might yeah. be a problem, and hopefully won't be a problem. Hopefully, make it into the show. Hopefully, make uh, it into the show. <laughs> yeah, I listened to a, a podcast recently, and if uh, if we do what that podcast did. Um, which was straight up leave the mic halfway through the show or something like that for like two minutes. I feel like we'll, we'll, you know, a little bit of audio technical difficulties we can get through. Um, yeah. And they, le- they left it in the audio. It was I weird. listened to a podcast recently that had a similar sort of uh, situation. Also in the same episode, they like one of the people on it was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And somebody else was like, I do too. And then the other person, there's three people on and the other person was like, I do too. And then they all went to the bathroom and they just didn't like edit that out of the audio or whatever. So you didn't hear anybody go to the bathroom or anything, which would have been funnier, but there's just like a minute of just total like dead air, like total silence. Like while everybody just goes to the bathroom and then they just come back. I would have played like the let's all go to the lobby music or or like the, you know, um, you know, the. Like the some of like you know when they cut off on television when somebody cusses, yeah, you know, right, or slaps a host or something like that. You know what I mean? Stuff like that when they when they do that when they put the music up. I'm you not know sure. what I mean? I'm you not sure I mean? when that's ever happened on anything. No, that's never happened before. No one no one ever gets slapped at anything for any no. reason whatsoever. No, no. Um, you know, we uh, really don't have anything going on uh like like i don't have anything planned in the beginning of this it's uh because i think it's just like uh for us it's it like the award season just kind of wrapped up mm-hmm. and for me and i'm so glad it's over i'm so glad it's over yeah. um mitchell uh watched the oscars which was kind of shocking and uh, we're not going to talk about it or anything. I don't want. I don't want to talk about it. That's but old it was just, news now. That's old news now. Uh, by the time this released, it is old news. Very old. Um, it's so old. It is actually about your spaceships, your hoverboards, <laughs> your cool new sneakers. Oh wow! So we've now live in Back to the Future Part Two. I think so. Look at them, Bobby Z. Bobby's Welcome to our Michael J. Fox series on <laughs> acting out. <laughs> no, we're still talking about Tom Hanks. And wow. uh, on this episode, we're talking about the burbs. The burbs, baby. Baby. We're talking about the burbs. But yeah, no, Mitchell, it's been uh, it's been kind of crazy since the last time you and I actually did sit down and talk. Because like, I've been to a film festival. The, the award season ended. Stuff going on in the Ukraine, just yeah. It's so it's been a lot. Like it's, been, I think the world needs us to to do more episodes so then we can uh, keep the timeline sane. I guess. I think clearly we disrupted something, and now we just got to get back on track with the burbs. 
You know what we need? Tom Hanks. I was going to say uh, two uh, or three Spider-Men, maybe. Ah. How many... I don't know. How many Tom Hanks do you think it would take to stop the Green Goblin? Just one, right? Yeah, I mean, he'd probably, like... You he doesn't know, need three. No, he'd just probably, like, charm offense them. Yeah. And uh, get him on the back of that Larry Crown bike and, and just ride him around Los Angeles. You can't You can't be mad when you're on the back of that Larry Crown bike. No, you can't. And then, like, the only one that's mad about that is Wilda Rama Rama. You know what I mean? Cause I he's, he's in that movie. He's the boyfriend. To Google I have not seen Larry Crown since it came out. It's oh, I've seen Larry Crown a couple times. It's, it's one should, of the. I should get on it, it. It's one of those where it doesn't work at all, but I watch it. You know who's in Larry Crown? Pam Greer. Yes. Um, Queen. I I almost forgot about that. Um, <laughs> is uh, Rami Malek? Ah, Oscar winner. He plays like an idiot, so it wasn't a far stretch of a role. If you want to get in, if you want to get an Oscar, you got to be in Larry Crown. Yeah, Julia's got one. Julia's got one. Uh, Rami's got one. Wilmer Valderrama has one. Cedric the Entertainer has uh, uh, ten of them. He should have gotten one for uh, Intolerable Cruelty. Honestly, what are you, what are you doing? He Wait, should have. <laughs> He's barely in that movie. He's great. Is he? I haven't he seen says, that movie in forever. What's his line? He says, I got your ass. <laughs> that's his whole thing. That's, that's, the, that's, the, the, that's, the, that's the Oscar clip? That's the Oscar clip. <laughs> he, got their, he got their ass. I will say that... Um, isn't it always fascinating? The one thing I will say about Oscars, mm. and this is something I, 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 I always find interesting, is the clip they do select when they want to do clips. Yeah. Isn't that all? Like, I watched, uh, when we were watching the telecast, I thought the clip that they did for Troy Kotzer was not great. Um, it was like them talking about him selling the boat. Mm. I didn't, I didn't, I was like, that's the one you want to go with? They didn't do um, the one in the back of the truck? That was, yeah. Maybe that's probably because it served more, maybe it's because, does that serve more Amelia Jones's character? I don't know. I think that's that's the scene where when I saw that, I was like, that guy's probably winning the Oscar for this. <laughs> I thought um, Andrew Garfield's clip was terrible. Like it just came out of that one was, was like out of nowhere. As as somebody who has not seen TikTok, tick 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 boom, tick tick TikTok boom. boom is a thing though. Tick, that TikTok is boom is the the documentary South by Southwest. Yeah. It played um, at Sundance then South by yeah. Yeah, tick tick boom. Uh, I have not seen that movie yet, so. That clip very confusing for me. <laughs> yeah, I cannot if place it, it, where the context of this movie, what this movie is. I kind of want to see what you think of that movie. I want to get to it. I just haven't gotten to it. It's been on Netflix. Like, Still haven't seen West Side Story. Uh, I got uh, some stuff to catch up on. It just uh, kind of hurts. Um, I want to see it. I thought I thought you had seen it. I've not seen it. Looking forward to it. It's on uh, the it's on a D plus. Yeah, it's, it's on, on a, a D plus. It's on HBO right? Max. D plus. I could watch it a few different ways. Just is it on Hulu? Is it on uh, the Endowed Network? I don't think it's on Hulu. Hulu. I want to rewatch Drive My Car. Great movie. Uh, I want to rewatch. Well, I want to watch uh, Power of the Dog again. Great movie. But I want to watch it on 4K, and I want 
Criterion to release it on 4K. Yeah. I think they will now because it, it won an Oscar. So It won one Oscar. Should have won more. Should have won them all. Yeah. Like just a tie for Plemons and McPhee. That would have been great. Or just give it to Jesse Plemons. That was a perfect, like that was the, well, one, that it's was the, the only, only clip. It's the that, only clip you can do. But it's still like, if we were just giving it to him based off clips. Yeah. That's the scene of the year. What a, what a sweetheart. Yeah. He just looks like, you know what he would, you know what he, uh, Jesse Plemons looks like? Me. Maybe. Yes. Um, we, yes. We could, we could be siblings. Okay. I think you want to be siblings. I do. I think you want to be more than siblings. Moving on. No. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I um, we're gonna get Jesse Plemons dominance over the over this next year too, because he's gonna be the lead of the new Scorchese movie. Yes. Um, him and Leo and Bobby D and Lily Gladstone. I'm looking Lily forward Gladstone. to that. Um, do you um? I know you don't care about the awards, but do you ever like like? Do you ever like want your favorites to ever win? I always want my favorites to win. It's always it's a, it's nice for you know right. people and films and performances that you love to win things. You know it, it feels good when the things that are good win. But yeah, I don't I don't get invested in it because it's all it's all political. Yeah. Well, it's your favorite. Well, your favorite person is Diane Warren. That's so. true, and they just they keep teasing her. I was did I ever tell you the story about um, when she was at the Academy Museum? No. Okay, so this is for all the listeners. It's at the, at the end of Oscar season. I can say this one. So, like, at the end of the, so I was at Middleburg. When I was at Middleburg, she was there, and she was a part of like a, a women in film panel. And I was at an after party and I was speaking with, I believe, her manager or publicist. And we were just talking back and forth and, she, and they were telling me, like, they, they're going to try to run her for, you know, the Trish song in that, uh, you know, Mila Kunis movie. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, she'll probably get nominated. You know, <laughs> that's literally what I said. And the guy was like, did you see that she was one of the first people to try out the thing at the Academy Museum, which is like the, uh, you get to like, Hold the Oscar and oh, like, no. do the do the she thing. Did she did it. She no, was she Diane. did it. She did it on the Oscar telecast special thing for the museum on ABC. No, oh, she was one of the people. And I just looked at him and I said, "You don't think that's like kind of cruel? Like you know, like like a little, like a little messed up?" And he goes, "Oh no, she loved it." I'm like, I'm like that that to me would be soul crushing. And so then to see. Like Billie Eilish win her lose number thirteen, and <laughs> I just you know like the difference between like Paul Thomas Anderson and her, mm. it's Paul Thomas Anderson's lost eleven times and he could give half a shit yeah. about it. Like guys married to one of the best women on the planet, he's got great kids. He was literally hanging out at the table with Alana and Cooper. And they were they were all sitting at the same table together at the show. Meanwhile, Diane Warren looked like you just shot her fucking dog right there on the telecast, broke her heart again. And it's just it's it always is interesting with stuff like that. I always find that stuff like like, you know, when like well it was Deacons. It was Deacons for a long time, right? Where I was like, 
how the fuck does someone so great never win one of these things? Cause it almost makes you just like, makes me want to be cynical like some people and just be like, oh, these things are bullshit. Yeah. And they sometimes are. Well, I mean, sometimes yeah. they are. Sometimes, so, for some people, it could be like a stepping stone to a, to greater things. You know, they get things financed, or they get to do bigger projects, or sure. you know, uh, they get a little little cachet because they get to you know, like you could be like Mahershala Ali, win your second one, go to Kevin Feige's office, put those two Oscars on the table, say, "I want Blade," yeah, and then you're Blade. You, you know got what it. Mean? I mean, which is like dream casting, in my opinion. I will be obnoxious when that movie comes out. I love Blade. Yeah. And I'm not, and you know me, I'm not a Marvel person, but I love Blade. I, you watched Eternals, didn't you? I saw that movie. Yeah. yeah you didn't like it. Yeah. Did you like the Blade stuff at the end? Where they teased Blade? I didn't even understand what was going on until I looked it up after I watched it. I was like, what are they talking about? And I've I've read some of the you know the comics when I was you know younger and whatever, but I di- I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, I know this is something. I th- I recognize that voice. And then you, and then you were like, oh, that's what that was. I was like, oh yeah, okay. that's a movie. That's a, I want to see that movie. Yeah, who's your, who is directing that? I don't think they have a director yet. They don't. I could be I wrong. They, maybe by the time between we're, when we're recording this and when it comes out, maybe they'll announce a director for it. But I don't think they have one yet. I really always thought that Barry Jenkins should do the Blade movie. Well, of course. I mean, like, especially if my hair show is in there. Yeah. Well, I just also, too, like, you know, the lineage of it. I mean, could you imagine, like, the intimate fight choreography and everything with it? And, yeah. Uh, I'd be pretty. And it would be also, like, it would be James Laxton doing that cinematography, for that, which is would be the greatest cinematography on the planet. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Pertel doing a Marvel score. Right. For them, you know, like make something actually like decent in my ears. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, one could hope. Like, I, I, I don't know. Someone, I'm a little bit optimistic right now for comic book movies because, because I saw the Batman. I want to see twice. Twice. Hopefully, yeah. by the time this comes out, I will have seen it. I hope you like it. I do. Too. I really, I, I really hope you like it. I don't, I don't actively ever root for you to hate things or not like them. Me as well. I hope that I like everything. Well, that's a, like, I guess that's a good like segue. I mean, like, are there some movies throughout the rest of this year that you're kind of curious about, interested in? Oh, God. Um, I mean, certainly off the top of my head, the one, well, I've already seen probably what was my most anticipated, which is Claire Denis' new movie, which comes out in, like, July um, I'm so angry that you've seen this and I haven't. I was furious. I'm very... Uh, Is it good? I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about it. <laughs> um, you've seen it? There are people that have already written reviews about it and stuff. That's true, but I don't know. I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about it, but I will you, say that I... think I, you can just say whether you like it or not. I will say that I am still a very huge fan of Claire Denis. <laughs> that has not changed. I don't know how you could take that because you can be like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers, but this movie sucks or, or you could be a big fan of hers and this movie is have awesome. never Have never disliked a movie that she's made. Until now or just... <laughs> I also... So now the one that I'm looking forward to the most is David Cronenberg's new movie, which I'm very, very stoked for. David That's, Cronenberg. 
Stewart and uh, Morganson and who's the who's the third? Yeah, it's got a pretty. Is it Leia Sedu? Yes, it might be. Let's check out. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Scott Speedman, everybody's favorite Canadian. Hmm. But yeah, it is. You got a little bit of the Speedman in there. The three of those in there. He just uh, finished shooting on it. He just, or no, I think he. I don't know if he just finished shooting or if he just finished completely wrapping the whole thing. Mm. Um, but he's hoping to have it ready for Can, which you know, is yeah. next month. So yeah. you would assume yeah. that he's done with it. I'm looking forward to the new uh, David Fincher movie. Yes. Because he just wrapped Just today. wrapped that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fastbender in a in a juicy Fincher role with we, Tilda Swinton. Uh, have not seen Fastbender right? in anything good in a while, so... What are you talking about? We uh we stand uh, uh what is that? Uh, Dark Phoenix. Right, 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 right. I forgot about the Dark yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, you forgot about Dark Phoenix. Sorry, forgot I had to remind you. Phoenix. Um, no. Um, Jordan Peele's got a new movie out. Very excited for that. Nope. Got my I'm sweet call, baby Stephen Young in there. Got everybody's uh, non-problematic right now. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer. I'm I'm really interested to see how she's like gonna be. She's got some she's got some projects. Yeah. This year. It can't be any worse than Alice. Alice is not very good, but she's good in it. She's good in it, but man, that movie's bad. It's not Can we stop good. doing that sort of storyline? <sighs> it's not very good. It's like that one and then what was the other one? Antebellum? Right? Antebellum, yeah. Where it's like twisting Slave narratives for for sake of being provocative, yeah. Like, just just don't do that. How about we just not make any more slave movies? Let's just not do that anymore. Well, you know. So no, I mean we've we've got a lot of great testaments already. Yeah, I, think, I mean, like, I feel like people have know. been saying that for a while. But then Barry Jenkins did the Underground Railroad. Which yeah, is I know the masterpiece. I, so yeah, I I know. And now I'm like, I don't need anything else, please. Sure, please yeah, and thank yeah. you. Definitive statement, kind of. Well, that's like a a, a, a better way of making, uh, like, because that's obviously a fiction mm. um, set, though. Within, it's a historical fiction, and it's and it's actually really, really well done, and it, it keeps it all seriousness rather than like, I don't know, making it really weird yeah. or you know, exploitative. Um, but uh, what else? I'm interested in women talking. Because I love Sarah Polly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very every, excited for Sarah Polly coming back to, to direct. I don't like that everyone's sort of trying to turn that into the first, like, oh, that's the next front runner for Best Picture already. I was like, please just go enjoy the movie first. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to Scorsese, obviously. Anytime I'm we get a new Martin Scorsese movie. Cautiously curious about it. Why? I just have reservations about a white guy taking on, you know, that story. It just feels a little. Oh. But mm. we'll see. Inter- interesting choice of words there, though. I understand where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I heard that. Yeah. Um. Uh. No, I I get that, but that book. Uh. Um. Uh, Megan read the book. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, She's like, it's phenomenal. Mm. It's it's phenomenal. So, it, I mean, it's Apple. Apple's riding the wave. Apple certainly um, is riding a wave. Um, 
but uh yeah i don't know uh there's some there's a lot of other stuff there's like the the she said stuff with uh zoe kazan and uh and everyone's favorite carrie mulligan the Uh, fablemans the fablemans you're gonna have scorsese and spielberg in the same year can you imagine having like round tables with those two just like having those guys talk about cinema all year Sign me up for that. Uh, new new uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Right, right, right. Willem we Dafoe's get like, in that. We get like uh, Emma Stone, Willem Dafoe, like Frankenstein-ish kind of movie. Kind of yeah. down for that. Um, Taco Maverick. I finally get to see that. Saw the trailer, new trailer for that. Let's do Mission it. Mission Possible still coming out this year? Or they no, they delayed it. Yeah. They delayed it. Yeah. So... It's a lot of good stuff. There's going to be a lot of good stuff, I think. It, it Oh, new George Miller. True. With uh, Idris and uh, Tilda Swinton. True. If we see that movie, if that True. movie exists. Uh, new Parcham Wook. True. That's probably my most anticipated movie. That and Nope. I yeah. want to see both of those. I love yeah. The Handmaiden. Do you like The Handmaiden? Oh, yeah, I love The Handmaiden. That's my favorite movie, it says. That's your favorite movie of his? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Isn't that my favorite? I think so. I love Old Boy, though. Stoker's great. Stoker's great. Nobody, I don't think people talk enough about how great Stoker is. It kind of flew under the radar, but it's a very good movie. Yeah. You know what's a really good movie? The Burbs. No, I was going to say something else, but yeah, sure. The Burbs. <laughs> burbs. That's what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about The Burbs. Might as well talk. You want to talk about it? Let's get into it. I don't know. We could we could not do it. Eh, I would like to do it. You sure? It was the one that I demanded we put on this list when we decided to do Tom Hanks as our first series. Okay. All right. We can do it. I'll I'll let you have at it. Um. Well, the Burbs. The Burbs. She's directed by Joe Dante, and it stars. Thomas Hanks, Bruce Dern, Carrie Fisher, Corey Feldman. Uh, what is it? Rick uh, Dumakon? Dukeman. Dukeman? Yeah, he's a pretty big part of this whole thing. Um, really good, like, Jerry Goldsmith score, by the way. Great Jerry yeah. Goldsmith score. Um, and, like, uh, shout out to the editor, um, Marshall Harvey. All right, mm-hmm. with this movie. Um, but uh, the movie, 1989, an overstressed suburbanite and his neighbors are convinced that the new family on the block are part of a murderous satanic cult. Right, right. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Mitchell, you love this movie. I love this movie. You told, you told me this might be... Your favorite Thomas Hanks movie. Yeah. I mean, going going into this series, this was definitively my favorite Tom Hanks movie. As we are going to watch and rewatch, you know, the rest of the movies that we're tackling in these series, we'll see if that still holds up true. Maybe at the end of the series, we'll do a little ranking of, you know, our how we rank the films that we covered or whatever. Um, and we'll see kind of where it all stacks up. But I, I mean, rewatching it again for this, I feel pretty strongly. This is still going to be my favorite Tom Hanks movie. I love this movie. I really love the concept. You know, it's a, that kind of 
don't trust your neighbors concept that's been done you know in other things too it feels kind of like a i mean like a twilight zoney episode it definitely is a concept that was used in you know the twilight zone um it takes that kind of you know three years before this it was in blue velvet which is one of my very favorite movies you know that idea of the dark kind of underbelly underneath suburbia and joe dante takes you know more a lighter you know uh touch to a more comedic bend to it but it also is darker than a lot of you know tom hanks movies and he gets to play a little bit more acerbic and have a lot of fun with it and i think that it really is just like this perfect combination of that like idea and like how dark you can go with that idea while also still being very like you know studio friendly you know they shot it all in the universal back lot and i think that really plays into kind of it's like slightly cheesy like appeal mm-hmm. um and like a really fun way because that is very much like you know that kind of suburbia that we remember from like seeing on like tv in our childhood they shot it on the same lot that had like the house of the monsters was you know shot in the house from leave it to beaver um mm-hmm. it would become the like area that they shot the same back lot that they shot desperate housewives on for you know oh, the entire yeah. run of that series yeah that kind of looked the sort of yeah same, similar it's very it. much that kind of like slightly too perfect like tv or like movie version of suburbia but it also i think you know i grew up in the suburbs and certainly never had anything like this happen but it is like a concept that like you're you're always very curious about what your neighbors are up to. And I feel like mine, you know, was a little bit, I wish that there was something more interesting going on. I always see these movies, like even, you know, you think Rear Window, which like this was originally, uh, The Burbs was originally titled Bay Window in its original script. And it was like, the producers thought that it was going to be a parody of Rear Window because parodies mm-hmm. were kind of the rage, you know, in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but like, obviously it's not it's not exactly that um but yeah even like rear window you know i watched that movie and i think like oh man i wish that my neighbors and my neighborhood was as interesting as this when i was growing up and i could have these kind of like fun adventures like this um but yeah i mean it's it's my my favorite tom hanks movie for sure um but i know that you had told me that you had never seen the burbs before watching for this so i was curious what you thought of the burbs me yes you who me that's right who all right um yeah i'd never seen this movie um weirdly enough i thought this was like a horror movie and i guess it's kind of got that the elements of it but i thought it was like a i was like a horror sort of uh sci-fi Right. movie and I just was just like oh it's probably one of like those weird things in someone's filmography early on where they just do it and <laughs> get it over with and then I thought it was Joe Dante and I'm like it's Joe Dante um, Joe Dante of course uh, a very uh, acclaimed director uh, made movies like uh, Piranha, Piranha The Burbs um, Looney Tunes Back in Action Grand Small Lens. Soldiers um yeah well well, gremlins part two no he did gremlins did he do gremlins one right yeah yeah gremlins i'm sorry i mean he did both of them uh yeah he did both of them um was it matinee matinee yeah the howling 
inner, inner space. space. Inner space. Uh, he made uh, Burying the X in 2014. <laughs> the Hole in uh, 2009. Anybody remember The Hole? Yeah, he kind of Anybody? fell out of favor a little bit. He really did. Looney Tunes back in action really did. Lo- Looney Tunes back in action really hit that career a little hard. Um, I like that movie. I don't remember it, but I it's mean, good. he definitely going into this, you know, he was he was definitely on a run. I mean, the Howling Gremlins, Explorers, Inner Space, all, you know, leading up to the Burbs. And then the Burbs came out and did well commercially, but not critically. It was not well received at all um, when it came out. And, you know, I was reading this uh interview or watching this interview with joe dante where he read the new york times review of the movie when it came out that said the burbs is as empty as a movie can be without creating a vacuum so mm-hmm. not not a movie that people really liked too much at least critically when it came out but it's also you know it's got a fan base for sure when it came out i mean it was you know did well um it made 49.1 million on a budget of 18 million which pretty good and, you know, in the years since, it's really gotten this kind of almost like a cult following, you know, through through mm-hmm. the years. People, you know, getting that kind of resurgence. It got a Blu-ray release like 10 years ago from Arrow. And then recently it got another Blu-ray release from a Shout Factory in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like these, you know, specialty kind of labels that are picking up movies like this that maybe fell through the cracks a little bit when they came out. Um, maybe didn't get the love that they deserved when they came out, but now people really love them. Dante said that, you know, these days, other than Gremlins, it's probably the movie that people, you know, give him the most love for. Yeah, and I can see why, because I think that right within, like, the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of the movie, I was like, okay, this is kind of my speed, my jam. Like, I like this. It is, like, um, you remember that movie, uh, a couple of years ago with Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn and uh, Jonah Hill, the watch. Oh yeah. 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 The watch. Oof. So this is like, now I understand why that movie was bad. Cause it was trying to rip off the concept of what this was going for. Yeah. Right. And like, this feels like a lot of like comedies nowadays. Um, really ripped out of like you know there's a thing going on in suburbia or there's the thing going on in a small town and we've got to investigate it and we're putting like all the bumbling idiots together right, yeah, yeah and and they get into shenanigans they, sh- they and, certainly do yeah and uh, that's exactly what this movie is it's just done in such a gonzo way like yeah. this movie is this movie is unabashedly silly yeah like it knows it, it it is for a guy that then went on to make a looney tunes movie this is like a looney tunes sort of yeah. feel and atmosphere yeah like that's the vibe you get like early on we get a guy walking out who's looking pretentious as all get out his dog goes takes a shit on bruce dern who looks like a snack and a half in this movie my god very tall um, man. You forget. You forget how tall. Yeah, he's he kind of hunched over now in his old age. Yeah, right? but he was, he was a tall glass of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this movie, at times, uh, it's hot out there, so it's a, you know, it's a little thirsty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, and this dog, like, 
takes his shit in his yard. And <laughs> I just, what I love about it so much is that like Bruce Dern, like you would, you would just like, just go, oh, you kids on your, or it'd be like, a kid. it's two old people yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. And yet it's done like in such a way where he's like, I will take that dog and sew it up. And then mm-hmm. the dog like goes to the, goes to the, the window and like barks at it kind of like playfully. That feels like right out of like Looney Tunes where like they would, you know, oh, I'll get you, you wabbit. And then like yeah. bugs would look right at him going, eh, and then run away. You know what yeah. I mean? And, Centered in it is is like Hanks playing uh, another straight man, um, but also too like a a sort of play on a straight man. Yeah, like it's he's he's very uh, whiny and and like indecisive and uh, curious. Yeah. And tell me, tell me if you got these vibes. I feel like this movie, this character. This resistance, then yet curiosity around it was kind of a little bit of maybe like the template he used for Woody. Mm. Yeah, I can see I was, that. I was hearing like the inflections or the frustration yeah. Yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. more in this. Um, also, the reluctancy of like in the, in the melancholy there with it, too. Like there was there was a little bit of that where I'm like, oh, that's where he kind of channeled some of like the the wackiness of of that performance yeah because it can be very big and very yeah kind of wacky at times but it also has a sort of like hangdog like attitude to it because like the whole you know the genesis for the hanks character at the beginning is like he he's talking about how he's taking a vacation from work and like that's how he kind of gets you know drawn up into this thing because he just needs something to fixate on and they never make it explicit in the movie apparently at one point it was kind of explicit in the movie but we get these like ideas that he's not really taking a vacation that you know he seems like he got fired from his job and he's Mm -hmm. like looking for you know a purpose or something which yeah is definitely something that we see with Woody throughout the kind of the Toy Story movies that, you know, Buzz comes in and Woody feels like he's losing this like sense of purpose that he feels very much, you know, locked into what his identity is, what, you know, his role is, you know, in the world. And then that gets kind of shifted. And I think that's something that you can definitely get into with these like examinations of, you know, suburbia and stuff, this idea of like what the, you know, patriarchal figure is supposed to be and you know his character ray here is a guy who thinks that he's supposed to be you know this leader and he's kind of the one leading this charge of these guys you know him and bruce stern and you know rick dukamon who's like trying to they think that there's this bad thing going on in this neighborhood and it's their duty to you know protect the neighborhood from you know these bad people the clopex who have moved in next door and they don't trust yeah, no, I mean, yeah, they 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 weirdly have like this good chemistry and they're all very different. Yeah. I like the sort of you get um Dokemon coming in there and he's like the wacky sort of like crazy neighbor friend, yeah. right? And he's always over there and he keeps putting out I love weirdly enough just like Hanks and Fisher's dynamic throughout the beginning of this movie and then yeah. like leads throughout it it's 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 one of like I don't know how to describe this, but it's one of where they they are clearly in love with each other through thick and thin, no matter mm-hmm. what. 
and she doesn't really get like too to like you need to cut that out and do all that stuff. It's not like that kind of play. It's like, all right, if you're gonna really spend your week off doing this, like, sure, go ahead, do it. Yeah, like, just just do it, and then I'll I'll get in on the end, of, and then they'll be like, you know what? I'm kind of curious. I'll go in on with it yeah. a little bit, and it's um like that scene where they they all go into the house together. Yeah, is um, I think fantastic. It's so good. Like, so good, so funny. Um, I think, um, what is it? Uh, Wendy Shaw. Wendy Shaw, yeah, playing Bruce Dern's wife is so funny. So good. Yeah. So good in this movie. So funny. Um, there was one person, though, I, I was not, like, the biggest fan of. Uh-uh. And I know this might be controversial. Never got the Feldman love. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that character and that stuff. I thought was just like I don't need this. I want to spend more. You could have, yeah. Off. You could have left out the Feldman a bit, and it wouldn't really have changed the movie in any kind of way. Because he's he's almost kind of for a lot of it, he's like almost like the audience surrogate, where he's kind of like observing everything else that's going on and kind of like commenting and having fun with it and having his like other like teen friends come over to like party and like watch you know the shenanigans going on and it does feel like yeah he kind of is like representing us watching everybody but we don't really need that necessarily like everything else that's going on is already like wild and fun enough to see yeah i mean feldman at the time was like a a mega star yeah i mean he had like gremlins had already come out then he had goonies yeah Going into this, he was probably a bigger star than Hanks, really, because Big came out, like, like obviously Splash, you know, several years before this, but Big didn't come out until they were in the middle of shooting this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that Stand was... By, and Stand By Me was in uh, 86. Yeah, exactly. So Feldman mm-hmm. was really, I mean, Feldman was, you know, the boy at the time, you know, one of them. And it wasn't until kind of during this movie that Hanks went from being a star to, like, a superstar. Yeah, I mean, like... It would be like if Timothy Chalamet played this part. Sure, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, re- no, I'm, and I'm not trying to like, but like, at that point, you no, have yeah, totally. like the hottest young actor, you know, working there. Or like, everyone knows him. He's in everything. He's doing all these movies. He's in all um, the Tiger Beat magazines. <laughs> I never read Tiger Beat when I was a kid. Did you? Did you ever? Read I that? probably did. I definitely had those kind of magazines. Um, I don't know. If Tiger Beat was Tiger but... Beat was in Walgreens. Yeah, like, that was a staple of Walgreens. Yeah, and I I peru I, I think we all perused. Like, yeah. is peruse okay? You don't have to buy, but you can peruse. You can check it out while your mom's getting getting her her pills. Pills? Prescription, prescription, I mean, prescription. You can pills. get makeup there too, or candy. You know, or... your mom's getting her candies. Like, hey, you know it's Halloween. Getting her caramels. You get, you know. Hey, Walgreens used to be like when you're a kid. Walgreens used to be the place to go because yeah. they had the whole section of toys. They had a toy aisle. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays they don't have nothing. You go down there. You, you, well, one, you don't ever go into Walgreens now unless you're sick. Yeah. Like, when you get to be an adult, you don't get to ever go to a Walgreens for fun. Who goes now, to Walgreens now for fun? Now I go into Walgreens to get my pills. Yeah, because you're, you know, old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, um, this movie is a lot of fun. I really, really liked it. I, I thought it 
the movie just moves at like a really good pace. Also, too, this is like the first film in this series. I don't have a nitpick for it. Like yeah, this right. isn't. Yeah, there's no. no like the like the film and stuff. I'm like, no, oh, we could probably cut some of that back. But he's still like having a lot of fun. And it also plays up to the like the angsty teenager stuff that it would happen in a cold sack like this at the time. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, going from Splash and all that fun stuff yeah. and then like Big, uh, where, you know, she fucks a child. Maybe. It's nice to it it's nice to just have like a it's weird that like the less straightforward movie that we've seen so far, because I think that this is like even more less grounded than something like splash like sure, this movie yeah. is it's taking some swings. this movie is this movie is a silly silly movie yeah and so i just appreciate that and then you know usually in silliness there's something that doesn't age well a joke or stuff like that i don't know i don't think anything is there anything that you know that doesn't age particularly well in this or you would you would think that maybe it does the one thing like i and the thing about this is so if we can talk about just skip to talking about the ending of the movie, you know, and we can work back well, around I mean, other I, stuff too. Well, I mean, you know, this movie's been out like forty years. You know, yeah, thirty years, forty. Years. 30, yeah, thirty. So, thirty um, something. Thirty something. And the so the movie ends with so the whole concept of the movie is you know these uh, European neighbors have moved in next door and you know we we don't trust them and that's you know Hanks and the crew are all trying to investigate them what's going on there's some shady stuff going on and for a while towards you know getting into the final act the movie kind of starts to open up this idea that actually maybe they're completely fine and you know just kind of odd but it's actually the the villains of the movie for a bit almost seem like they are hanks and dern and you know all Mm -hmm. these guys and i would have really loved if that had actually been the case you know, like, mm. I think that it would have said a lot. I mean, that's, you know, the, the twilight zone of it all really is this idea that, you know, the fear of the other actually turns you into the villain that you perceive the other as, you know. And I think that that would have been a really bold kind of move for the movie to make. But I think because of the time that it came out and because of it being, you know, kind of a mainstream movie at the end of the day, a big studio movie, they then had to you know circle back to it actually being oh no actually yes these you know european uh people are you know crazy killers or whatever and i i wouldn't say that that makes it age not well i think it still plays fine it's not like Mm. i don't think it's i don't think you know the movie comes off as being xenophobic or anything Mm -hmm. in that way um but I think it would have been really cool if it had stuck to the idea of you know them being the actual villains is, you know, the people that are, you know, purportedly the heroes. And I know that, you know, in kind of doing the research on, like, the movie and everything, that they had, like, a ton of different endings that, you know, they were working through throughout. Like, originally, that was one of the endings, was that it was going to just stick with, you know, the the Hanks and everybody being, you know, the villains and the, the Klopeks being totally normal people. There was an ending where they... So Hanks gets 
you know, drawn into this ambulance. He gets brought into this ambulance at the end of the movie, and the the Klopex Henry Gibson's character, who plays like the main kind of you know Klopex bad guy, he reveals himself to be a bad guy, um, mm-hmm. and then things you know take the turn, and the bad guys get caught, and it's all revealed, and everything's okay, happy ending. But at one point, the ending was going to be that they get hanks they get you know ray hanks character and they just take him away to presumably kill him and that was like the original ending that they wanted but then when they cast tom hanks the studio was like you can't kill tom hanks like we're not gonna (laughs) let you do that so they had to change it to be this and joe dante like doesn't really like that that's the ending he wishes that it was you know that original ending for him um, yeah, but, that kind of feels like in the in the sense of like a Twilight Zone sort of episode. Yeah, that feels and, like yeah. more the spirit of what the movie overall is to that it would like. I don't necessarily like think that. it's fair that like that character would be the one that dies. I feel like the yeah the written the you know the the um, Rick Duke the art yeah. yeah the art character would totally be the one that deserves to die in this. Like yeah, I don't think like Ray is at fault for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, Tom Hanks, um, maybe even Dern. To a certain extent, maybe you know, Dern. Yeah, Dern's a Dern's just a man, hoot in this. Dern is like, you know, we all kind of forget about Bruce Dern because yeah. you know he's been uh, eating soup on screen for the last you know yeah. ten years. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds mean, but it's like no, yeah, like you feel you feel like Bruce Dern when he's doing these Tarantino when he was doing Nebraska like every yeah. day when they asked him, Mister Dern, what would you like for lunch? <laughs> I want a bowl of soup. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want it too warm. Yeah. What kind well what what kind of soup? Any soup. Any soup. You want some bread to go alongside? Nope. Did I say I want bread? <laughs> you know? And yeah. so um <laughs> so I, I find it like really interesting that like when you see Bruce Stern out of the context of being like you know, old man Bruce Stern. Yeah. You just kind of forget. Okay. Yeah. That's why he's a legend. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, like he had so kind good. of like a, that like resurgence with like Nebraska where like a lot of people, you know, maybe like younger generations didn't know like who, you know, where his whole legacy was coming from or people who do like hadn't seen him in a while, you know, but I mean, around, you know, or before this time, Tarantino I mean, too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Tarant- him getting into Tarantino movies, but like, I mean, he's a guy mm-hmm. with you know Silent Running in the seventies, King of Marvin Gardens. No, you know the I mean, been in multiple Hitchcock movies. You know, towards the end, he was in Family Plot, Hitchcock's last movie, Black Sunday, The Driver. Like, he was in a ton of stuff. I mean, an Oscar nominee for Coming Home, right? So like, oh, he's great in Coming Home. He was he was a huge name, you know, with a really like respected kind of character actory like legacy um that you know really you you forget about i think sometimes you kind of take for granted sometimes just how great he is and he is just so much fun in this and i think because of you know coming from playing those like really heavy dramatic movies he brings a kind of uh you know he takes this role kind of seriously and i think that that makes it a lot more fun i mean the the whole thing you know, with what makes great comedic performances work is not playing them like they're comedic performances. And that's the thing that Hanks does so well is he plays all of his comedies as seriously as he plays his dramas. And that's what makes them so funny. I forgot that he was in um, Down in the Valley. You ever seen that movie, Down oh, in yeah, the Valley? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good movie. Edward Norton and, uh, Norton and Rachel Wood. David Morse. Oh. Rory Culkin. Rory Culkin. I like that movie. Pretty nobody, good movie. Nobody, nobody ever talks about that movie. Yeah, pretty good movie. It's, a, it's an interesting little flick. Yeah. That was when like Ed Norton was at the power of 
you know, he was putting out a, a movie a minute. Yeah, he was kind of like a little bit on the the downslide there because it was when he was starting to get that that reputation a little bit. It was like two years after the Italian job, which he like very notoriously did because he like was contractually obligated to do it. He's good in that movie. Why did they never? Job? He's good in that. Why did they never make a sequel to that movie? That, it's bizarre. That was a that movie. People bought Mini Coopers for years because of that movie. I wanted mm-hmm. that movie came out when I was like thirteen, and I was I like, when Cooper. I can get a car, I want a Mini Cooper. Like yeah. I that that's a good movie. I want to rewatch that movie at night. Honestly, that's a fun what, movie. Like what a cast, you know? Like cast, uh, you Jason got... Statham, Charlize Theron, Most Def, Donald Sutherland. Um. Charlie's. Charlie's. Seth Charlie's. Green. Seth Green's in there. Charlie's at the time I like right around the time of her in Monster too. So same, she wasn't same year. Yeah, same year. Yeah, she she had a big year. Big year. Would you say she's like one of the best actresses we have working today, Charlie's? Um, I'm not as I'm not as high on Charlize as I think a, like most people are. I th- you know I think mm. she's great. Um, but she doesn't. I don't know for whatever reason, she doesn't quite like take it to that next level for me mm. um where like she's like a fave but mm-hmm. i'm never i'm never upset to see her in something i'm never upset to see her name on you know the opening credits of something that i'm watching for sure i think she she may not be the best but she's definitely the most versatile she can do any genre yeah any genre and uh, she can be a in a drama a rom-com she can kick ass in action movies she's She's freaking in, in, uh, uh, Furiosa. Yeah. I love that movie. I wish we could get more Mad Max Fury Roads. I read that book recently that Kyle oh, yeah. Buchanan Kyle did Buchanan. in the interview. Shout out. Yeah. What a great, great book. Um, highly recommend that. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the burbs. Burbs. Um, so I think uh, one of the great, this is, I know this sounds like a side tangent, but it's not. Uh, one of the great uh, people in this um, movie is, um, and he's always just like a great presence, is uh, Henry Gibson. Henry Gibson's plays, uh, so good. Doc. I mean, Henry Gibson has, when I was doing Altman, just his performances in The Long Goodbye in yeah. Nashville are so goddamn good. Yeah, you've seen both of those, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love both of those movies. I love Henry Gibson, and like, yeah, they were. You know, Dante said that they were originally like a little bit reluctant to cast Gibson in this role because he's just kind of like a shorter, smaller guy. But mm-hmm. his performance in The Long Goodbye is what you know let them know that like he was going to nail this. And he, I mean, he absolutely does. He's so good in this. God, I want to watch that movie again. So, like, after watching this, I was like, oh. I should really watch the long goodbye again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I just love his entrance. I love um, sort of interesting, like the 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 designs of, like you say, of of the production design is so mm-hmm. uh, essential to this movie. Like mm-hmm. you have these, every house feels distinctive. It feels kind of weirdly after the the person that is inhabiting the space mm-hmm. too, and then you have this house that is. So, 
spooky and haunting and terrifying and yet and mysterious and yet it, it embarks on our villains like that as well too and i just like a lot of the 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 way that, that house looks and its design and its creepiness but i also i love the humor in this movie mm-hmm. i think it's like kind of like the perfect sort of uh balance of you know being silly but also being like just really funny Mm-hmm. In general, and not just being like a oh this movie's silly and just like you know derate it off and yeah. say it's not actually good. Like I love all the stuff with like Hanks and like the way he's talking around the you know the table with his kid and mm-hmm. you know, with Carrie Fisher and with him and just like what you know Hanks has this ability and I've and we noticed this in, in the in the last two films but especially in this is his ability of he knows when to like exaggerate a word yeah um perfectly make it you know make it laugh you know and like get it you know and use that voice of his you know mm-hmm. and there are so many times here where it's like that scream that like iconic scream of his yeah. like when they're out in the backyard and he they see one of them in the bushes and they hear something and he just screams out loud and yeah. then they have to like settle themselves down that's like that that's where I where I get back to the Woody sort of thing. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, that's there. It is. That's that kind of like you know spontaneity, that excitement. Yeah, that I I loved it. But I just I love the idea, like what you were saying, that this is this this movie is sort of, I think a commentary on a lot of suburbia. I think suburbia movies are really always one note. Yeah, but you can take a lot out of that note. If you have a smart enough director, yeah. Um, what was that? There was this movie two or three years ago. I really hated it. Um, <laughs> it was a comedy, um, and it was sort of like set in suburbia. I don't. I'll try to remember it. I remember um, Jay Ledbetter over at In Session Film, a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and my co-host over there. Love this movie. I gotta, I gotta oh, remember what this thing is. Um, but yeah, no, I, I talk about the characters real quick. Why I try to or talk about talk about more stuff. Why you love this movie, Mitchell? Because like I think that I can easily understand why this is one of your one of your favorites and definitely down your alley. Yeah, I think you know one of the interesting things that speaks a lot to kind of where this movie is coming from is the fact that it. So it was made during a writer's strike in Hollywood, um, which I thought was, you know, really interesting to kind of read into that and figure that out was, you know, they were, you know, Dante talks about how it's more of a, the movie's more of a character. It's about about the characters more than it is about a story. And that, you know, comes from just kind of the design of the movie, but also the fact that, you know, it was made during a writer's strike. So they couldn't have a writer on set, you know, rewriting stuff. Um, even though the writer, uh, Dana Olson, did play like a small character in the movie. So the writer was on set, but he couldn't do any writing during the movie. But mm-hmm. so a lot of kind of the stuff that they were doing, particularly, you know, the, the work with the characters was characters, the actors improvising a lot. And then you kind of see how much the um, kind of the directing stuff, the the craft of it, you know, plays into how much the movie works, too. You know, there's that scene with ray and art in the backyard and the dog brings a femur over to them and it's just like this like almost comically huge like human bone and when they realize what it is they both let out this huge scream and the camera like pushes in on them like in this like accordion kind of like 
super, super, like, gonzo, silly way. But it's something like that that makes the movie stand out where, you know, like you said, the the plot of it ultimately isn't really doing a lot. It is kind of one note, you know, the the neighbors are weird. Let's investigate the neighbors and then, like, see what happens. But it doesn't go, you know, much beyond that. But it is really, I think, the characters that make this stand out so much and just Dante's control over what the tone of the movie is really makes it stand out did you figure out what that movie is i did it was it's called greener grass oh i heard good things about that movie i i did not catch up with it but i have heard good things about it you did not like it no fucking blows (laughs) that was yeah i'm looking back on my uh looking back on my 2019 uh ratings that was it was tied for my worst film of the year with what climax Oh shit! I like climax. <laughs> I know. I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> it was climax. Uh, yeah, climax at. Yeah, those are like two of the only films I've ever given half star reviews to. Mm. Um, haven't seen you. You know when you see a a, a bad movie mm-hmm. that you just don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were those two movies. Man, I couldn't stand. I could not stand climax. <laughs> oh my god. So I like the first about 15 first 15 minutes of it it's not bad but then everything after like oh with the kid stuff oh it's, it. it's pretty rough that opening dance it. sequence though and the one in the middle oh yeah it's great. fantastic yeah yeah good yeah <laughs> but just totally just oh <laughs> greener grass that's a movie where like you have the notes like I said of a, of, of a movie like this you're trying to hit that and that's way 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 more of a uh, uh, absurdist than this yeah like this is still trying to like be a mainstream movie still somewhat too yeah um, it's just a movie really of the time like the 1980s got to be a little bit more like it got to step in both puddles and that yeah. and green and grass doesn't but that's like the point is that like in an absurdist comedy, you're not able to find like groundedness like this way this movie tries to do as well. And you don't yeah. really connect with the characters because in a movie like that or anything that's like coming out of like the adult swim world, which is clearly what, you know, people that love like, you know, adult swim and uh, are creators of that have to love a movie like this. Mm. feels exactly like that because they're like trying to capture a lot of that magic, only take it to. I think a lot of the wrong messages and wrong places that this movie tries to do, which is like this movie tries to have uh, like fun, silly times. But then I do agree with you. I think it does have its message of like, how are we supposed to treat people that we don't know? Yeah. How people that are different? It does. Yes. Unfortunately go down that route. <laughs> of Then those people are exactly who we thought they are. Yeah. But even that's kind of like, I mean, it, that that's kind of even throwaway from just like, I think most of the film is about the paranoia of the unknown. Yeah. The idea of next door, the idea of someone you don't communicate with every single day, obsessive nature. Yeah. That's the stuff I find really interesting of this. Maybe, maybe that's just me on the first time watch, but I was just like, man, these people need to get a fucking life. Yeah. Like, you know, like the fact that, it does have that rear window sort of quality where it's like all yeah. Tom Hanks wants to do is stay home. Yeah. Weirdly enough, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to see someone that was like wanting to be essentially quarantined. 
at home. Right, sure. And not yeah, go yeah. anywhere. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of saw that and I'm like, interesting choice. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, like interesting thing to bring up. There um, is yeah, there is a very like um like isolated kind of quality. I mean, obviously they shot, you know, the whole movie in this cul-de-sac on, you know, the universal back lot. Like it doesn't go outside of that at all, which it does feel like almost like this movie takes place in sort of like an alien kind of like world, you know, it it's it's I, and I think that's part of the appeal and part of the fun of it is that, you know, it is just and it's very clearly on a back lot, you know, and we just see these characters existing there. But, yeah, that's definitely something that plays into how entertaining I think it is because it is just such like a lark, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, being like you said, like sort of being filmed on a lot, you're already trapped in sort of a cone yeah. or a bubble that is outside your world like nothing breaks in nothing comes out it's it's very much a hotel california style of thinking you know what i mean <laughs> you can check out anytime you like but you're never gonna leave you know what i mean and uh i never thought i'd bring up an eagles reference with you but there 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 it lies um what's some other stuff about this that you love also you know. i'll ask you a question that i thought of you know when okay. the movie was uh when the movie was playing this time. So there is a scene where, you know, the characters that you mentioned earlier, Hanks and Dern, Wendy Shaw and Carrie Fisher go over to the Klopax house. And when they're there, the the Klopax offer them some, uh, some food, some, you know, snacks to have that you do with your guests. And the, the -hmm. snacks that they offer are, I believe pretzels and sardines. Um, and it made me wonder, you know, I feel like when I was growing up in like everything that you would see, the idea of like the grossest food imaginable would always be sardines and like it was like a thing like sar- like in like tv especially like i mean sar- the way that they do it in in this, the way that they do it in this is gross they open it out of the fucking can yeah. like that's with the with the juice and everything so yeah, yeah i can get that but anyway no and, i'm sorry to cut you off no you're okay and like watching tv like sardines were just always like everywhere like the grossest thing and i i have never seen a sardine i've never seen a can of sardines like i've never seen anybody eat <laughs> sardines and i was curious if you have ever had a sardine (laughs) um first of all challenge to any listener out there to to at it's it is mitchell yeah it's it's on twitter with any of your sardine experiences yeah when you go to the grocery store after this episode take a picture tag mitchell dm me videos of you eating sardines yeah, we want to see him. Like, sardine challenge. Hashtag sardines. <laughs> hashtag the burbs. Hashtag acting out. Yeah. Um, I've never had a sardine. I mean, I've had, I mean, does anchovies count? It's like, does is that sort of like in the An- same ballpark? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say so. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Anchovies. I have had, um, watch, someone's going to say, they're the same thing. And I don't know, but I don't they think they are. The, they might be the same thing. Actually, look that up so I don't sound like an idiot. Um, um, but... If that is the case, I've had it on pizza and I've had it in like Caesar salads. So are they the same thing? Um, oh, this is rivet- riveting. It says they are podcasting different. Everyone. Okay. It, they are different. All right. Um, go- well, they are both though salty fish. They're yes. Very salty. Yeah. Yeah. They're very, they're very similar. Um, yeah. They're very salty. They, you know, you can't say any jokes about them. You know, they're apparently in the jo- same family. Yeah, you say any jokes about their, you know, family members or anything like that, uh, might, they might, you know, sardines might get up there and slap you. You yeah, know what exactly. I'm saying? Um, but uh, no, I, um, I've never had sardines, but I've had anchovies. 
and uh, an anchovy can be like kind of like um like a interesting uh, like extra element to mm. something sometimes like a hard uh, like a like a, a little bit of that goes a long way. Yeah, right? like because um, have like, you ever have you ever had anchovies? Have you ever had sardines? I've never I've never had either, but like the way that I imagine them was maybe similar to the way that I see like capers, which are very like very salty. Yeah, but like capers I get that, but they're not like capers don't have like the necessary like you get like a real sour, like, oh God sort of vibe when you have an anchovy or a sardine. Mm. Uh like a caper, it's it a caper is is in like the, the vein of almost like an olive to me. Mm. Um like an like if I have like cause um when I make a Bloody Mary and uh, I want to put some olives in my blood with my Bloody Mary, I have these ones uh, from this. Uh, so we have uh, we I go to the Hill Country Ooh. here in Texas and, and there's this place. It's it's up in uh, Fredericksburg and in Fredericksburg, they all these like very small mom and pop shops that are along the drag with a lot of great German food that are up there as well. And then, of course, up there is a lot of the Texas wineries. And so we go up there every now and then, you know, you know when supplies get low. And there's this one place and they have they sell various kinds of olives, but they sell uh, blue cheese stuff olives mm. and they are dynamite. But, you know, if you have the first one and you haven't had an olive in a long time, you got you get right. a little soft yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, that's kind of how, but after you start eating them in a while, they don't mean anything to you. Right. Uh, anchovies are a different thing. Like anchovies are like great in like a Caesar salad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, or, or in sauces and stuff, but on top of a pizza raw is like, that's criminal. Like, <laughs> you're just, a- you're also asking for a massive sodium intake. Yeah. So, yeah. They can, seem just, like, very, yeah, yeah, very high on the sodium charts. But I'm, 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 I was wondering if you were curious about that. Cause then, you know, I was quite I curious. Know. I know you can't have those. I um, can, I, and maybe, yeah. it maybe wish that I could. I'm just curious. To, <laughs> I don't to know. See what it's I, like. it's, I don't think that I would like it, but I think a cracker, like a, like a Ritz cracker or, um, a bagel chip mm-hmm. would have been better for that. I mean, I think you could add that to like, Obviously, it's going for a gross-out factor, yeah. to be honest. But, like, in real life, if you wanted to add, like, a sardine or, like, and, like, spice it up in something, maybe put it in, like, a like a weird tang to a spinach dip or something like that. Mm. That would be interesting. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and st- I know people put, like, salmon on stuff. They put locks on sure, stuff. Sure, so, yeah, Like, yeah, you yeah. could probably sardine it up that way and... You know, make your guest hate you. I don't know how you want to do that, but uh, no, that was that is always interesting. Like, yeah, that was always like, um, what was it? There, there's cartoons when we were growing up that sardines. Yeah, were like exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I like that were like that. Yeah, that's a that's a good catch. Um, I always love a, I always love a good uh, gag, or like a like a murder gag. Mm-hmm. So like when, when they are in the house and they are sitting down and Henry Gibson is there. <laughs> And the whole like, sorry, I didn't, you know, I got, you know, mm-hmm. the paint all over you or whatever. <laughs> like, I always love a gag like that where it's just like, eh, it's not blood, but it's like, it's like paint yeah. adjacent. And mm-hmm. then they're like moving the painting up 
and he's like rotating yeah, the pain yeah that stuff. was that was good very good very good very, bit very there good. yeah very good bit there's yeah. a lot of good like physical comedy in this too it's not afraid mm-hmm. to get a little slapsticky sometimes especially with like hanks which is a lot of fun i also liked um you know there's a very intricate uh very effective dream sequence with hanks that is like really well done and then um after he kind of wakes up to like calm himself down he's watching uh mr rogers neighborhood which is just you know yeah watching now kind of a fun thing because hello neighbor we all know know. yeah we all know (laughs) mr hanks you know played the man oh that's right i totally yeah see this is why i have you around because i totally i I forgot about that well i always forget about that because that movie and we're not going to talk about that movie, actually. That's one of the things we're not going to yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert for everybody out there. Um, I wish that movie was about Fred Rogers and not about a journalist. Yeah, it's 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 a it's an okay movie. You know, there's definitely some. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he's really great in it. Phenomenal. There's some strong scenes in it, but yeah, focusing it, doing that kind of um, approach to that oh. like biopic, I I feel like I never really like those approaches to biopics where it's like the we get like the audience surrogate character who goes in and like they're like our you know proxy for exploring the actual really interesting main character that's like the like the end the of the tour character i i actually kind of like the end of the tour so maybe no i like it but no but that's what it kind of reminded me of it's like yeah i to me know. ones that i think of are like last king of scotland is like a big one Ooh, of those yeah because like yeah, i mean it's like that's that's one of those where like academy really took a lead performance and yeah i mean a, a supporting performance and made it lead there. yeah or like um I like don't rules know. don't apply is like another one of those you know um the warren Beatty oh, the, oh, movie. The, how could i forget <laughs> i tried to because there is a superior howard hughes movie and it was there's, like there's a better howard hughes movie but yeah, I yeah, like I movie. think of like those My Week with Marilyn, you know, another um, <laughs> one that <laughs> that stupid movie is like that. God damn it! Like, yeah. I, yeah, I usually don't, you know, the ones. I mean, I guess End of the Tour is kind of like that, but End of the Tour also is like a real, uh, like a very real story. It's a real character, you know. Yeah, um, and it's and it's more even handed yeah. than mm-hmm. than like those were like. Weirdly enough, the the subject matter becomes like. Uh, like they're fawning over them, yeah. And like to the point where like that, that person needs to save them. Yeah, you it's know? a lot more of like an introspective kind of movie that I I find. Like very me and Orson Welles. You ever see that movie? Yeah, the I Link saw Later that. Movie? Link Later, yeah. Yeah, where it's like where it's like great. Gr- uh, that's another guy like thing where it's like okay, this is like a really good actually like Orson Welles performance. Yeah, Christian McKay, mo- right? He's he's yes. amazing in that. Wrapped in a wrapped in a uh, a movie where it's like, what are we doing? Just yeah. just focus on Orson Welles. You've got it right there. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, but also too, I will say that the one thing about what is that? That won't you be my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, beautiful that, day. In no, the beautiful day in the neighborhood. Sorry, I always mix up the. Titles, won't you be my neighbor? The documentary. Yeah. Way better movie. Um, I love yeah, the doc. Great. I love that doc. Um, is uh. The production design that Jade Howley. Oh yeah, yeah, the miniatures. The direction of Marianne Howley. Yeah, the yeah. miniatures. The miniatures are amazing and such a smart idea. Yeah, it, yeah, really, really genius concept. She's she's the she's the I actually interviewed her and mm. she because she works uh, primarily a lot with um, uh, David Lowry mm-hmm. and um, and so when I was talking with her about uh, Green Knight, I got to ask her a question off off mic about, or off the record about. Uh, 
beautiful day. Um, and, uh, and, and about that, it was just like a really, because I think that that's some of the most like wonderful, beautiful yeah. production design that they've done in a long time. And they yeah. built a lot of that, recreated a lot of it. Yeah. And so, um, but like this movie too, I mean like, yeah, it's done on a lot. You can totally tell it's done a lot, mm-hmm. but it's just so well done. And like, yeah, it's the a costumes, big, yeah, God, costumes are so good in this because it's like it's a mix of modern with like the old timey sort of yeah. suburbia stuff like that as well. But I think I think the other reason why I didn't want to watch the birds because I always thought it was going to be like Stafford Wives, sure, yeah, yeah, too. yeah, yeah, and I hate Stafford Wives. The, 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 the remake, right? The Stepford Wives remake, or the uh, I've never, I've never been a fan of either one of them. Oh, honestly. I've never, I've actually never seen. I actually don't think I've ever seen either of them. But don't watch the remake. I'm curious about the this, the original one, but yeah, maybe the, not so the much. Remake the remake is terrible. <laughs> one of the worst movies you'll ever watch. It's just so bad, so bad. Makes you have to believe that Nicole Kidman's married to Matthew Broderick. Yeah, once you start thinking about that, it's like, yeah, that doesn't work. Um, you know what I mean? But uh, but no, I so I always felt like I had that again. Like a, yeah. But but now I've seen this movie. I don't know why I never saw it. Like, it's so good. It's so, so much good. fun. Yeah. Hanks is, man, at this time, like, Hanks is, I mean, he's putting in good performances, great performances. Yeah. He's really good, and this might be my favorite so far that it, of the of the series. Oh, certainly the best. Of like the it more series. than Big. Yeah. Like it more than uh, than Splash. Yeah. You know, I just like uh, I love his like little existential crises that he's having throughout yeah. the entire time. Love how like everyone like the camera feels always like in his face. Yeah. It feels like the pressure is always on. Like you feel the stress of the of everything that he's going through. And so, yeah. Yeah. No, I I really like this movie. It's a, it's a real good one. Great Hanks, um, great burps. Yeah, this is definitely one of the more, like, the slightly more, you know, off the beaten path ones that we wanted to include in here with, you know, this series. You know, the the concept of the series is, you know, we're, we're hitting the hits. You know, a lot of the big hits that made somebody like Tom Hanks the, you know, the actor that we still talk about to this day. But then we want to also, you know, highlight some of these, you know, off the beaten path ones like this. You know, some some slightly different kind of performances and films that maybe some people haven't seen or people do see and like love but these ones that are you know a little bit different sometimes they work and sometimes they don't work but you know this one definitely very much works for me um very excited that we got to to chat about it yeah do you have anything else before we wrap it it's it feels like a little bit of a short episode but but uh I I, i think the thing is it's like it's um it's got a lot of great jokes. It's it's one of those you gotta watch it, yeah. Really to, to you know to sort of get the full grasp just of it. But I think watch the burbs, man. Just watch the burbs. Like burbs, good stuff. Good, good, stuff. good stuff. You want to tease? Um, you want to tease the folks with uh, what our next episode's gonna be? I'm gonna be honest with you. You don't know what our next episode's gonna be. You're gonna have to help me out. Actually, you're gonna have to tease me, and then I and then I'll figure it out. Well, so for our next episode of acting out with Tom Hanks, Ryan will be very excited to learn that we are going to be talking about a league of their own. Oh, a film know. that you especially wanted to make sure that we included in our series. Yeah, you got to talk about this movie. You got to talk about a league of their own. Because you want to know why? Because we talk about, we're going to talk a lot, and we've already talked about um, Tom Hanks, the the leading man. Mm. 
but I think also too, what what, what you just said with uh, what we were talking about with um, Beautiful Day, mm-hmm. it's a supporting performance. Yeah, and so the power of a great actor is not just who they are as a lead. Yeah, is what can they do with the limited uh, you know role that they're given? Yeah, and you know, I I, I I'm really curious to see. I don't think we've ever talked about that movie. I don't think and we I, have. And also, too, I'm always curious what people think about um, sports movies when they're non-sports fans. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and I know you're not a big uh, sporty. Not a, not a big sport. Not a big sport over no. here. Yeah. But yeah, we'll you're be not talking... An old sport. Not an not old sport. A, not a, not an old. Not quite an old sport, but more oh, of an okay. old sport than a than a young sport or a big sport. Um, okay. But yeah, catch us on the next episode talking about a league of their own. You know, Hanks back with a uh, Penny Marshall again after Big, which we discussed. You know, on the last episode. So it's oh, it's going to be a good time. Gina Davis, Madonna, Rosie, all the hits. All the hits. Yeah, cast for the ages. So yeah. Mitchell, can you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, you can uh, check out my work at uh, various places, Letterboxd, uh, Paste, uh, the film stage. You know, I'm, I'm at various, you know, outlets. Um, but check me out on um, Twitter, at ItIsMitchell. That is where I'll pretty much be posting anything that I'm uh, chatting about, anything that I'm writing about. So give that a follow. Give that a look. Ryan, where can people uh, find you find yourself at? Well, first of all, yeah, go go follow all of Mitchell's stuff because he's go follow of us. the two of the two of us. He's the he's the better writer, eh. hands down. Not even not even close. He's what did I say? Between the two of us, they are the better writer. They are the better writer, not me. I'm me, not even in the league of you. What if I just not agreed with you? What if I was just like, yeah. That's correct. No, I, I would. I would sit there and be like, "It is correct. <laughs> this is fair." I mean, um, can you shout out everyone? Uh, that recent article that you just wrote, uh, that recent piece you just wrote, um, um, so then people can can they, they can read it because I, I think it's one of the best things I've ever read by any writer. Period. Well, and I, that's and, very kind. And I told of you. you. And I told and I told you this, and so I want you. I want you. Where was that at again? Where was that piece? It's very kind of you to say that, and I really appreciate it. Um, if you if you are interested in what it, Ryan is talking about, I wrote a piece uh, for Pace Magazine on the film uh, 444: Last Day on Earth, the Abel Ferreira movie, and I got pretty personal in it about just kind of my story and seeing that film with the background of my story. So if you want to check that out, uh, yeah, head over to Pace Magazine. You have to. It's essential reading if you're a fan of Mitchell, if you love Mitchell like I do. And uh, for myself, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanMcQuaid77. You can find me at... Awards Watch, where I'm the executive editor over there, doing all sorts of things. And then you can find me also at In Session Film, doing all sorts of things over there. And uh, yes, Mitchell is correct. We are going to do A League of Their Own next week. Hell yeah. And uh, I know this was a little bit of a shorter episode, but we'll have some more stuff when, uh, when we do next week's episode, probably in the front and in the back half. I think there's, there's going to be a lot more to chew on. Or a lot to chew on, just as much as we did this week on this show. Uh, but thank you guys uh, so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.
holy crap, we did that. Oh my gosh.